Welcome to Leading in Truth. I'm John Brandt, and I teach English at Luther North. Today's podcast discusses the role of memory. Some say students don't need to memorize information because they can always just look it up on the internet. For the past two years, our faculty has discussed this myth, and last year we read and discussed Daisy Christodoulou's book, The Seven Myths About Education, where she directly addresses this faulty idea that students don't need to memorize information. It's a great book, and I highly encourage teachers and parents to give it a read. I even have extra copies I'm more than happy to share for anyone who might be interested. On today's episode, I've asked four of my seniors to explain an activity I use to start each class, and that's called recitation. What is a recitation? Why is it important? Can students really benefit from memorizing a two-minute literary selection and presenting that to the entire class? Well, those are all great questions, and we have some great answers. I hope you enjoy this episode of Leading in Truth. Before we begin, why don't you introduce yourselves to the Leading in Truth podcast audience? My name is Ryan Rubarth. I'm a senior at Luther North. Uh, I was involved in soccer and track, played soccer and ran track throughout my years. Uh, I did a little bit of ski club. And in the fall, I'm going to pursue finance at Western Michigan University. Hi, I'm Abby Velasovic. I'm a senior at Lutheran North. When I was at school, I played volleyball. I was in theater and I did NHS. In the fall, I'll be attending, I'll be attending Valparaiso University and I'll be studying biology. Hi, my name is Parker Stagger and I am a senior at Lutheran North as well. And I was involved in student council, NHS, soccer, wrestling, and um, lacrosse. And I will be attending MSU next year with a pre-med track. I'm Lena Gotti. I'm a senior at Luther North. Uh, while I was there, I played basketball. I did some stuff with Example, NHS, uh, Math Club. And in the fall, I'll be attending Michigan State University to pursue a degree in engineering and business. Well, thanks for taking a little part of this morning out of your schedule and sharing uh, your your reactions and your thoughts and your experiences with recitations. So let me explain a little bit about recitations for our audience. Our class begins with a student who stands up and gives a two minute recitation from a piece of literature, from scripture, uh, from a play, from a poem uh, that is soul worthy. Well, I'll let you guys talk about what is soul worthy a little bit later. And then after that recitation is done, the entire class stands up and we recite pretty much from memory Romans 8, verses 1 through 39. My hope is that it goes from their lips to their mind to their hearts, and they remember that, and, they can, and my students can call on that, especially when they're away from the word, um, especially when they're reminded if in class we're talking about a literary character and we make some connections to what this person needs or what this person doesn't need. So that's how I use recitations, and what I asked some of my students today to share some of their experiences with some of the things that they have memorized and that they have recited. So uh, let me, if we can go in any order here. When you first heard about recitations, that, that was a class assignment uh, for AP Language, uh, which was last year's class, and then we roll that over into AP Literature this year. Honestly, what were some of your reactions about hearing when you had to do a two-minute recitation that you had to memorize and give in front of class? I think I said out loud, oh no. I think that was my initial reaction was because when I was younger, I was very nervous I think to speak in front of people and crowds and stuff like that and I think my, my next thought was is that even possible can I even do that for two minutes and memorize something but I think eventually I came to realize that it is possible after seeing others do it probably and then realizing how much work it's going to take and the dedication for you know a week or so of just memorizing that and pounding it into your head and being able to recite it off the top of your head and I think uh, 
that was pretty cool to be able to do that after thinking initially that I couldn't. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. We'll talk a little bit about that, I, I hope, during the, the broadcast today about the discipline that is required and then the results of being able to memorize that and present that to the class. Uh, because not only do you stand up in front of class, we, you have to stand up on the recitation platform, you get to lower that, you dress in your finest wear, right? A tie, bow tie, always, you know, girls have to wear dresses or skirts. Because if this is going to be a soul-worthy recitation, we want to make sure that you look ready for the part. So we call that dressitation, where uh, we look good. Anybody else about your first reactions? Um, I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> I was definitely really scared because I do not like talking in front of people. Like, even right now, a little bit nervous. <laughs> um, but... Like, once I thought more about it, I was like, okay, people have been doing this in this class for years, and, like, everybody does it, and everybody's in the same boat, so it's not like I'm going to go up there, and I'm the only one who's nervous, and, like, I think you just have to remind yourself, like, no one knows the recitation that you memorized. Like, as long as you, like, keep it smooth, and, like, you just try to stay calm, it's just two minutes, and it's done. I think I kind of had the opposite reaction. I think I thought that it was going to be easier than it was. Just, well, also with the fact, like she said, so many people had done it before me. And I think I went in a little overconfident hearing about it at first. And it's a lot tougher than people let on, I feel like. In learning the recitation, what strategies do you guys utilize? Um, I feel like I try to learn the context. Like I, a lot of my recitations have been from like books and stuff. So I feel like if you kind of like read around or like try to figure out like the theme or the tone of like what's going on, like during that point in the book, it helps you a lot to like understand what you're saying more. Because like it's one thing to like, look at something and just like memorize it and just rattle it off. But it's another thing to like understand what the person is saying and why they're saying it. And it like, it helps you remember it more. Well, that's another goal I have for recitations because you really have to understand and you have to know the piece. Um, while I think that you could memorize next word, next word, next word, next word. I think that's really difficult if you don't understand the idea or the point behind it. Uh, that's why when we would go through, when, when we go through Romans eight early in the, at the beginning of the school year, I would kind of explain, well, you know, this is when um, Paul is reminding us that even when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words, and kind of explain that a little bit so that context matters. All right, so let's do this. Abby, you talked about context matters, and the last recitation that uh, you did was a little combination, a little duo recitation with Ryan and you guys were performing the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. You know, let's talk a little bit about what is the context to this balcony scene that you better understand because you've memorized it. From my understanding, Romeo is in the Capulet garden and he's trying to get a glimpse or even talk to Juliet. So he's hopping over uh, walls and climbing through trees and eventually he gets to talk to her. So it's kind of, Kind of desperation almost, but also excitedness that he gets to talk to her and stuff. Yeah, I like that context of the tone of desperation. That's where, oh, if we had night to recite, Ryan was going to pull out a ladder, climb halfway up to the second story, and wow, the, Ju the young Juliet with his words. So let's, I'm going to ask you guys, and the, the listening audience will have to trust me, they, they have memorized this, they're, they're not reading from any scripts. So why don't we have, if you would share a little bit of that uh, recitation with us. What man art thou that thus bescreened in night, so stumblest on my counsel? By a name, I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself, because it is an enemy to thee. 
had I had written, I would tear the word. My ears have not yet drunk a hundred words of that tongue's utterance, and yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo and a Montague? Neither, fair saint, if either thee dislike. How camest thou hither, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb. In the place death, considering who thou art, if any of my kinsmen find thee here. With love's light wings that I o'er perch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out. And what love can do, that dares love attempt. Therefore thy kinsmen are no let to me. There's a lot of work that goes into memorizing uh, the, the, the recitation selection that you have, and yet I don't, I don't let you memorize anything. Uh, you know, again, sometimes I have lists or sometimes I have a theme. Sometimes I do have an open category where I'll let you pick, but I always have to give you the okay or give you the final ruling. And I think some of the greatest conversations that I've had with students is when I tell them, you know what, let's go to plan B. While interesting, it's really not soul worthy. To you, what does that mean? When I think of something being soul worthy, it's something that has not only tone and context within the like actual dialogue, but it's, it's presenting something that's not just being read aloud. It's you're living it and breathing the words and it's almost coming alive as you speak of it. It's in front of you and it's presenting itself and it's meaningful to you and the crowd around you and it influences how you act and how you behave and how your life is entails. There is a, there's a great benefit to having this foundation of knowledge because of memorization. Uh, part of that foundation, like Ryan and Abby were talking about, is in understanding the context and the comprehension. The other part is if you're gonna spend so much time learning this piece of literature, I wanna make sure that it's a piece worthy of learning. But I want to make sure that that literature that you're, that you're learning, if it's going to stay with you, it has to be literature that is worthy of staying with you, that speaks to truth, and that speaks to what matters in our life. Parker, in the last two years, what, are some, what have been some of the recitations that you've given? Um, I had given, I gave a couple poems written by Henry David Thoreau, and one of those was The Conscience, and then I gave um, Psalm 119, and then a couple different sonnets when we had been doing those in class. And then my last um, recitation that I gave was a speech uh, from the Aeneid. Would you care to share that speech with our audience, Parker? Yeah, I can do that. Um, so the part I'm gonna recite is gonna be the second half of Turnus's speech right before um, they're heading into the like, major battle. These Trojans who borrow courage, build their trust in the walls they have raised in the ditches they have dug between us. What a flimsy buffer to shield them all from slaughter. Have they not seen Troy's ramparts built up by Neptune's hands collapse in flames. But you, and you, and you, my league ones, who's ready to hack down their ramparts with the sword and to join me now to storm their panic camps. I have no use for the armor Vulcan forge nor for a thousand ships to go against these Trojans. Let all the intrusions join them at once as allies. They need not fear our stealing up on them in the dark like skulking cowards to rob them of their palladium, butchering their sentries posted on the heights, no hiding ourselves away in a, tro in a horse's blind, dark flanks. In naked daylight now, I am determined to ring their walls with fire. I will make certain that they never think they're fighting Greek and Plesian boys. The recruits that Hector wore it off for 10 years. But now, my comrades, seeing that the best part of the day is done, 
for the rest of it. Refresh yourselves. Hearts high. You have done good work. But trust to it now. We are heading for a battle. Yeah, so of all the parts from the Aeneid that we just finished right before uh, we had to leave school, why, why did you select that one? When we were going and discussing it through class, I just really, I, I felt it and I connected with it. And it, I just felt like it was such a powerful speech that he had to get up in front of an entire army and be able to get them motivated to want to go to battle. And it just really inspired me by how he presented it. And really, it moved me to want to actually present this in front of class. When you're learning a piece of literature for your recitation, do you find yourself wondering or thinking about why the author used this word or why the author put these words in this order? Well, I did um, Bush's speech that he gave after 9-11. I did that recitation twice, actually. You gave it your junior year, yes? Yes. And then you also gave that, uh, that speech again at the Patriot Walk where the students of St. Peter Macomb came over and all of our students were there. So we had, man, we had 900 people there, 900 students, and you stood in front and you gave uh, President Bush's 9-11 speech. A little bit, how did that go? And then let's get back to your explanation of word choice or word order. Um, it was a humbling experience, I feel like, because I think I thought that I was maybe better at public speaking. And then as soon as I got up there, I felt like I was shaking and so scared and I messed up and in front of all those people. But then I also think it gave me a cool perspective that even if you do mess up at something like that, or if you're nervous, like, there's so many people, they're all supporting you. And I think that kind of goes for all your recitations. Um, you're standing in front of people that love you or at least go to school with you. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but um, no and one. And they're empathetic with you as well, because if they're your students, they have, you know, they're going to do it tomorrow or, or they just sat down and they realize how difficult it is. So let's get back to word order or uh, word choice in President Bush's speech. Yeah, so the speech obviously focuses on one main idea that kind of had to be repeated many times about terrorism, attacks, and then eventually the strength of America. But the words are really particularly chosen and um, repeated. I have an example of the particular word choice. It's not in literature, but in a speech, a great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon of freedom and opportunity in the world, and no one will keep that light from shining. So even just in that little thing, he repeats the word steel and foundation and things like that, using it in the context of the attack, but then eventually in the context of the strength of America. And um, I think it was really well done and particularly chosen to make it easy to understand for everyone. And get really good visuals in your head. So in that speech that you just gave, what specific image really stood out for you, Lena? Um, the line that says that terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings but cannot touch the foundation of America. I just think that's a really cool visual because obviously big buildings, they're built strong, they're built well, they're beautiful to look at and all these things, but obviously this attack um, shook them. But then it's contrasted with America and a well-built big country and saying that um, these attacks can't touch that, like they touch the buildings. And I think that it's just like a cool contrast and a good choice of words. 
So let's open the how to deliver a good recitation book. What strategies do you guys have for people that are listening? Uh, I think it's important to just uh, keep control of your, your nerves and to make sure that you breathe. And you, when you speak that you get your words across carefully and slowly and not rush through it so that everybody understands. And once you do that, it's, it's just talking in front of people and it's, it's not as big of a deal as you make it out in your mind to be. And once you calm down and you can give it well, it's not as big of a deal as you make it out to be. Anyone else have a, an, an example where you referenced it, you thought about it, maybe you actually even used it in class in a conversation with parents or friends? Um, I feel like I think about Romans 8 a lot. Like I bring it up like in conversation with people or like I've definitely used it in class before. Like for like our recitations, like I can still like recall a lot of them, but like you do it once, usually maybe twice. You do like night to recite or something like that. But with Romans 8, like we do it every single day. And so like it just kind of like gets into your head, like you know that you're going to say it every day. So you like you think about it a lot. So I feel like I've definitely like I definitely think about it a lot and I've definitely talked to people about it. I've like one time I recited the whole thing straight through for like my cousins because they were like, what's a recitation? So I just like did it for them. So like it's just it's just something that like once you say it enough, like there's like like the difference between memorizing and knowing you said like you can memorize something once and get it over with. But like when you know something like it, it comes back to you because it's important for life. Like it comes up again because you use it as an example for like things in your life. So Ryan, earlier when you were talking about Fern Hill by Dylan Thomas, you talked about that it was a little bit difficult because of the similes that he used. So let's talk about that. It, um, complete this simile, right? Recitations are like blank because, what do we think? Um, I would say recitations are like soccer games. I think that's an easy parallel for me because I know soccer so well and recitations are, are something that you need to prepare for just like soccer games. I think that when you're playing a, a soccer match against your opponent, you have to know your opponent and you have to know your own strategy and you have to memorize that and be able to, you know, think about that on the fly. And I think that's parallel to just the information that you have to give in a recitation and what you have to recite. And I think you can know, you can know your strategy and you can know your opponent really well, but if you get out on the field and you can't execute, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that's also the same where if you can memorize something, you can give it to yourself. You can recite something to yourself or in your head. It doesn't mean too much if you can't share that and you can't recite it to your class or anybody else that wants to know about it. Parker? Um, the simile I came up with is that um, I compare the recitation to before, during, and after a storm. Because like before a storm comes, you can see the clouds coming in and you're just thinking about the recitation that you have to go up there and have to do it. And then during the storm, it can be terrifying. It's a really bad storm and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going and you're just worried about it. And that's the same thing with the recitation while you're doing, you're just super nervous and you're sweating and you just don't, you're shaking. You don't know how it's going to go, if you're going to forget the next line. But then after the storm, you look outside and you can just, the grass is greener than it was before and you have the rainbow that's just a blessing from God and showing his love and being able to finish the recitation and you just step down from off the platform and you can just take a deep breath and I just did that I completed it and I had no like idea that I could actually do that before and being able to actually complete it it's so exciting because wow you just did that but I'd like to thank all four of you for joining us in the Leading in Truth podcast. 
and sharing a little bit of uh, your recitation insights, uh, maybe a little bit of nervousness with our audience, but also the benefits that you see. And believe me, I, I see the confidence developing your public speaking skills, but also, but also the confidence in your willingness to articulate your intellect. Um, that is a gift that you have today that you will continue to develop and that uh, God will find various ways to be able to use that gift as he places you in a variety of situations. Thank you once again, Abby, Ryan, Parker, and Lena for being a part of this episode in Leading in Truth. God's continued blessings in Christ to all of you.